Good morning, Bitcoin. Today is Thursday, March 4th, 2021. The price of Bitcoin is down 6.42% in the last 24 hours, with a last of 48,265, a high of 51,777, and a low of 48,208. That's $1 for 2,075 Satoshis. But first, hacktivism. Satoshi's hacktivist approach of distributing Bitcoin via a free open source grassroots project contrasts starkly with their predecessors. Chom, Stefan Brand, eCash, and others took a very different approach, filing patents, founding closed source venture-backed companies, and attempting to drive adoption via corporate partnerships. This paralleled Len's own extensive contribution to open source projects like PGP, Mixmaster, GNU Privacy Guard, and others, as well as his extensive volunteer experience with groups like Shmoo Group. It's interesting to note how different Bitcoin was from the other projects like eCash and Chaumi and Cash. And we're joined today by members of the Open Crypto Alliance to protect Bitcoin, blockchain, and crypto. We're joined by Jed Grant and Stefan Kinsilla. How's it going, Jed and Stefan? Great, great. Thanks to be here. So today, hey, Thomas, to nice to be here too. Goodness me. All right. So we just want to talk about the basics of uh, Bitcoin patents and what's going on with Bitcoin. Uh, previously, I know that uh, Coinbase had formed a group with Square. They were going to protect all the patents, and uh, certainly we can trust them. There's also a lot going on. Uh, with Craig Wright, who claims to be Satoshi and is now trying to cash in on some of those claims. Uh, so what do you guys do at the Open Crypto Alliance? The Open Crypto Alliance is um, a nonprofit venture that a bunch of volunteers to this point have, have uh, come together to support. And the, the goal is to protect the technology behind Bitcoin and blockchain and going forward for the future of Bitcoin and blockchain. Um, basically, I noticed several years ago that people were filing a lot of patents on blockchain technology. In 2018, it was a couple hundred. Uh, 2019, it, it grew into many thousands. And last year, I think there were almost 13,000 patents filed on blockchain and crypto technology. And this is a real threat to the, not to the, the Bitcoin network per se, but these patents could be asserted against miners in order to shut them down in certain countries and asserted against Bitcoin-based businesses in the future in order to shut them down and make them pay. And uh, what we want to do is actually stop the patents from being granted in the first place or invalidate them as quickly as possible so that that technology can stay in the public domain for everybody to innovate and build on. Um, you mentioned Square and, and Copa, and um, there are some complementary efforts. So we're part of an ecosystem that's protecting the space. If you look at uh, what, well, first we have open source licenses. You know, Bitcoin was released under the MIT license, so that's already a good step, um, which protects. And, and of, that's uh, that's where I was going to start. Is I want to say, uh, isn't Bitcoin open source? Can't we just run it because it's open source? Why do we need patents? Why do we need this at all? We don't need patents on Bitcoin. We don't want to have patents on Bitcoin. We want to destroy them before they're granted. That's our goal. Um, and then you have other uh, groups, you know, open source, but then you have COPA that you mentioned. COPA is like a patent pool. So people who have patents can join COPA and they agree not to sue each other over them. 
so to, to foster innovation, which is a good effort and very complimentary. And we, we see eye to eye on many, many things. And I think we'll be working together. Uh, also, you have other non-blockchain specific groups that help as well, like LotNet. LotNet is a license on transfer network, which was founded by Google and a bunch of other tech giants, as well as traditional companies like DuPont. Uh, I'm actually a member of my company joined LotNet. LotNet means it's a patent inoculation. So they're also different than what we're doing. They, if you join there and patents of other members fall into patent trolls' hands, uh, you immediately get a free perpetual license on that patent. So you can't be sued by the patent troll. So it's a different approach to protecting people from, from patent abuse. But we're really going at the root of the problem. Uh, and, and it's like taking a, a cheap stinger missile to shoot down a big helicopter uh, like, like was done in the 80s in Afghanistan. And what we're going after is while the patent's being filed and, and it's been published and it's been considered, we want to invalidate it during that phase before it ever gets granted. So a, a patent, just to go general, is like a copyright or a control on a me, uh, like a, a technique. Like if I have a factory and we make widgets and my widgets are a pole that's bent in half, that's our special patented technology. So for Bitcoin, what kind of things are people patenting? Uh, patents can be on, on any aspect of the tech. And if you look at Bitcoin, there are cases already where patents have had a negative effect. If you look at Schnorr signatures, for example, those are just coming now in Taproot. Schnorr signatures were considered at the beginning by Satoshi, but he could. Bitcoin was released. That patent expired in, in sometime in 2008, I believe. And at that point, there were no uh, good modules that, that have been tested, no code that have been developed and used long enough to really rely on Schnorr signatures. So we have elliptic curve in Bitcoin because of a patent when we could have had Schnorr signatures from day one. Other patent threats to Bitcoin are things like hashing algorithms. In the future, we will have uh, quantum crypto hashing and we will need to upgrade the Bitcoin network so that we replace SHA-256 with quantum hash algorithms and quantum resistant hashes. And in order to do that, we need algorithms that are open source and free. If all of those are patented by IBM and others in their development, and there are no free quantum hashing algorithms, Bitcoin will be broken and we won't be able to upgrade it without violating patents. So this is the kind of thing we're looking at. So originally the problem that Richard Stallman saw is that he could edit the code. So he could fix anything, he could look at the code. Then all of a sudden this closed source code came along and he couldn't edit it. But this is an even larger problem. This is something that as a technology person, I'm not even sure I agree with the creation of software patents, uh, but for Amazon to take something that seems very simple, like one click, I wanna buy the stuff on this page with one click. You don't need to be a scientist to invent that, yet they patented it. As far as I know, I think they control it uh, yet it seems very simple. Uh, what do you think about the general idea of software patents? Is this a, a good direction for us to go down as a like a technological society? Um, yeah, I can. I'm a patent attorney and I'm a libertarian too. So I've been long been opposed to the patent and copyright system. They're both uh, uh, completely antithetical to the free market, to capitalism. They should be totally abolished. Okay, um, copyright usually covers uh, written say written material, creative works. And that has, 
that cover that means it covers some aspects of software because you write the code. Um, and so the open source licenses are an attempt to use copyright law that covers software to open it up and allow people to develop it. Uh, I actually don't like the GNU and the copyleft type licenses because they they still restrict what you can do with the code. Uh, I would prefer a CC0 or a, uh, a CC type BY type license or just to get rid of copyright altogether. And Stallman, by the way, these leftist guys that uh, were for the open source license, they're not against copyright. They're not very principled. They're not very good on economics. You know, they wanted to open up software somewhat using these license schemes, but that's not nearly far enough. Uh, now, the patent system, as you alluded to, does cover machines, inventions that are machines and processes or techniques. And you can use that to cover some types of software because software could be viewed as a technique or as a process. Um, so you can you can cover some aspects of software with the patent system. And that's what a lot of these uh, companies are now doing, like uh, Alibaba and InChain and others filing patents on this. On this. Um, of course, it's a bad idea, and of course, the, the copyright and the patent system should not apply to software. In fact, I believe it's unconstitutional for the copyright system to apply to software because in the Constitution, the copyright system was only for writings. And I, you know, copyright software is a functional thing. It's like a machine in a sense. I don't think it should be covered by copyright. And uh, the patent system shouldn't cover it either in part because it is so difficult for the patent offices and the examiners to find the right prior art to search uh, because most of the relevant prior art is not published in journal articles. It's just buried in, in code um, or known in certain insular communities. And it's really hard for examiners to search. So they end up granting a lot of patents on techniques that have been well known and they should not have been granted. But then once they're granted, they have a legal presumption of validity and can be used as a as a weapon to threaten people and to extort them for payment of fees. This is what the non the patent assertion entities or the patent trolls do, and they are actually the least of the problem because at least all they want is a cut. They don't want to kill the victim that they're a tick sucking the blood out of. You know they want they want to take a little cut. They don't want to kill the kill the kill the cash cow, but a competitor who gets a patent wants to use it to stop his competition. They want to kill you. So the, uh, so a patent held by a non-troll is even more threatening than a patent held by a troll, but they're all a problem uh, and a threat to the, to the crypto ecosystem right now. I know one of the uh, interesting uh, patent troll cases to come out recently uh, was uh, targeted against Joe Rogan. And what the troll came along saying is that they owned the idea of the podcast. They owned the idea of putting an RSS feed or an HTML file with a series of audio files in a row, and this creates a podcast. And they were going around suing uh, smaller podcasters, just taking their money, but they went up against someone large like Rogan, who then formed a, a legal crew to try to take them down. But that's only one example. There's probably thousands, hundreds of thousands of these very small patent troll cases going on. Yeah, of course, and lots of people settle, and they don't they don't publicize what they did because that's part of the agreement, um, or sometimes it is publicized as a way of shaking down other people. Like a patent troll will go after weak players first and offer them a very small and quote reasonable license, so they'll just take it to make the guy go away. You know, five thousand bucks, ten thousand bucks instead of instead of spending a million dollars defending yourself uh, and winning or losing. Um, 
And so then they will go to other people and say, hey, we've gotten these 10 companies to roll over and pay us a license. Obviously, the patent is strong, so you, you better play, play ball too. So yeah, there's lots of cases like that, and it just chips away at innovation in part because it just saps funding away from these companies, right? They, they have to spend time and resources, get insurance. Uh, their costs just go way up, and a startup company – you know they need money. It's scarce. They, they have a hard enough time raising money from venture capital um, firms, and they have to waste it on on defending themselves from bullshit IP claims. I, I know working in video and making videos that the copyright controls do have a chilling effect, and that I feel it. I don't even try to discuss music or bring music into this show. I know I'll get shut down. One time I played a Colbert clip that was too long. Uh, they shut off my entire video feed. Right, they they stop the entire thing. Uh, what kind of effects would you see these patent trolls having on Bitcoin? They will shut down um, a lot of innovation in in the Bitcoin ecosystem because um, they will get patents on aspects of the technology that will prevent businesses from accepting payment with Lightning nodes. They will get patents that prevent miners from mining in certain countries and they will shut it down and there will be effectively no Bitcoin mining in that country. And, and this is the threat that we need to protect against. And, and the issue with Bitcoin is, and why we're all here, is there's nobody behind it. There is no company, there's no organization. So either we stand all separate in a decentralized world or we unite around the important aspects and we defend Bitcoin against its attackers. And that's what we're proposing to do with, with Open Crypto Alliance is we want to defend the technology behind Bitcoin and crypto um, in order to protect it for all of us and keep it in the open domain. And it yeah. is those and, endpoints and, and Thomas, that will get attacked. It's those businesses, it's you and me, you know, that will get attacked and, and, by the trolls. And Jed came up with this idea and, uh, but the brilliance of it is that um, if, you know, if you're sued, by a patent troll or by a competitor, and you you have to defend yourself, or if you go out of business, you know you're out of business if they win. And if you have to defend yourself, it literally costs hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars, and that's even if you win. Okay, but our approach is to basically we want to identify patents that are in the pipeline that are pending, that are vulnerable to, um, or patents that have been recently granted, and they're still within a window of time where you have the option to file a procedure to challenge them and to try to get them invalidated early on. And it doesn't cost nearly as much as this. So it's a, it's a really cost-effective way. If we, we really wanna get some funding from some of the players in the crypto community to help us get the resources we need to hire some patent attorneys to, to challenge these patents that will benefit everyone in the community at one, what, I don't know, what one hundredth the cost of what it's going to cost later, something like that. Yeah, it'll cost us, you know, 10 grand to 30 grand in total to, to attack a patent that's, that's in that granting process. And it will cost every single person that gets trolled by the person who gets that patent a quarter million bucks. So it's not about a quarter million versus 30K. It's about 30K to stop a quarter million and a quarter million and a quarter million and a quarter million. It's, that's when I said stingers against hind helicopters in Afghanistan. I mean, that's what, that's how th th that war was, was handled. And that's exactly our approach. Take a cheap weapon and attack an expensive target with it. And that's what we're doing here. Um, and I think it'll be effective. Uh, we've, we've got actually some actions in the pipeline now. 
and uh, and we expect to be filing some first um, first opposition to some patents in the next uh, couple weeks, several weeks. It'll take about three months before we get an answer. So within four months from today, uh, we should have some some good news to report. That's our that's our objective. So it's uh, it's interesting. And on the people filing these, you mentioned um, you know Enchain files a lot of, of blockchain patents. Um, some of them, if you look at how many patents, I mean, we're over 20 something thousand patents in the last two years filed, and a lot of them are by the same players. There's no way a single human being could have come up with that many inventions. Uh, the number of inventors is quite limited in some cases. So the, the issue here is that they're not actually inventing this. They're taking stuff that is open source and that's out there already, and they're patenting it because it hasn't been patented before. And if it's not your invention, it is, correct me if I'm wrong, Stefan, but if it's not your invention, you're not allowed to patent it. You have to be the inventor to patent it. Right. Isn't that the case? Right. To, to get a patent, uh, there's a few criteria. Number one, you have to, it has to have utility or, or usefulness. So you, you can't patent a perpetual motion machine because they don't work. And you're not supposed to patent like a bomb that would explode the earth because that's destructive. It's not useful. It's harmful. Um, but that's usually a given requirement. Uh, it has to be statutory subject matter, like something that is subject to patents. So you can't patent a song or a physics uh, truth or a mathematical thing. They're too abstract. But so it has to be that. that. And that is sometimes an issue in software because it wasn't clear for a long time whether software was statutory subject matter. But the main two things, it has to be novel, which means new. And it has to be non-obvious, which, which means given what we knew already, it, was, it wouldn't be an obvious thing to do. Like if cars were known, you couldn't patent a brown car because it's obvious once you have a car to color to paint it brown or whatever. Uh, but you also have to be the inventor, which means if you learned about it from someone else and you file a patent on it, you're not the inventor. Um, and usually that's not a problem because it's actually fraud on the patent office, and it's an ethical violation. No reputable patent attorney would ever – do that. I've never done it in my life. I've never known anyone who does it. Uh, but you have these scumbags out there who might do that, you know. Um, and the patent office is not equipped to investigate that. Just like in the copyright office, uh, uh, Craig Wright, from what I understand, filed a registration with the U.S. Copyright Office on the Bitcoin white paper, claiming to be the author. And it was grant. It was it was it was it was it was registered because the copyright office doesn't investigate. Um, and so then they went around using that as proof that the U.S. government has recognized his ownership of white paper, which is a complete lie. It's false. This is not what it means at all. I mean, I, I believe someone else filed the registration too, just to be a smartass. I thought about doing it myself, but I'm a patent attorney, and I might lose my license for committing fraud on the copyright office. But some people. Don't give a damn about that, you know. Um, so I think at the time it was almost a political movement, people trying to claim the copyright and just have more and more submissions and just kind of the absurdity of his claim. Yeah. Right on. Obviously, you wouldn't want to do that as an attorney. That would be a bad idea. Um, I, well, I really like this idea. I think it's proactive and it's smart. And uh, at least coming from the United States, where we have the Democratic Party, they never seem to have a plan for anything. Meanwhile, the Republicans are out there saying, we've got a five-year, we've got a 10-year, we're looking ahead to future problems. And I think one of the obvious future problems of Bitcoin uh, is indeed this, uh, 
not having a founder, the founder disappearing, uh, the early way that Bitcoin was set up. So a, a little background, why do you guys think Bitcoin was set up the way it was, uh, the founder disappearing, the logo being kind of copyright free, uh, there's no corporation? Uh, why would they do this? It's put us in this terrible position, right? Well, I, I think it's a brilliant position. It's exactly where we should be. It should be free and open for all of humanity. And I think that was the intent. Um, hiding yourself as the inventor of something like this, if you really grok it and you know exactly what you've invented, um, it makes perfect sense as well. I mean, I, I thought about how could you invent a digital cash that would suck up all the dollars in the world, you know, that that thought crossed my mind in in early 2000s, well before Bitcoin existed. But it's very hard to do, and and no one knew how to do it. And and once you figured that out, you might realize I don't necessarily want to be the public guy who did this because that might even damn the project. It might condemn the project to failure because before it gets big enough, I'll be arrested, I'll be trotted out and treated like you know burned at the stake. And, and that's not gonna help. So if you're smart enough to solve that problem, which Satoshi obviously was, he, they, it, her, whoever, um, then you obviously are also smart enough to know the ramifications that the responsibility of that invention entails. And this was the best way to get Bitcoin into the world, I think. Well, and not even just burned at the stake with Prometheus, who brought fire to man, they, they strapped him to a rock and every day a bird would return to eat out his liver. So there's even worse things than just a little bit of immolation. Uh, they, can, they can do it every day. So yeah, I think it was a great move to so hide himself. Uh, but then that leads us to our next question. Now that Satoshi has left, and even just this morning, I read a long article about uh, Sassaman and that he could be Satoshi and he was in all the right places. Uh, what happens next when these other Satoshis come along uh, claiming to be Satoshi? What what does Bitcoin do? What has Bitcoin done? Keeps going. We don't we don't need these fake Satoshis, you know. We but we do need to protect Bitcoin from from people who would claim to be Satoshi and use the legal system to try to exert control over the people who are benefiting from Bitcoin. I want to make that very clear. The, the intellectual property law behind patents makes the patent holder capable of turning the person using the technology covered by the patent into their slave. So a patent troll is a passive entity that requires other people to do work because of their patent and to pay them for it. So it is slavery. And that's, that's what we're defending against. Yeah, Roger, Roger Long, um, a well-known um libertarian philosopher, a uh, friend of mine, uh, who has also been against intellectual property from about the same time I have since 1995. We both started writing articles against it. And he, he's got one called uh, uh, Intellectual Property is Slavery, and he explains it's just like Rothbard's argument against defamation law that you can't own a reputation because a reputation is what other people think about you. And so if you own your reputation, that means you basically have a property right in other people's brains. You, they're your slave. Um, and likewise, if you own um, uh, an invention through the patent system, it means that you can prevent other people from using their bodies and their factories in a certain way. So it gives you basically a property right over other people's bodies and property. 
because you can give you have a veto right, which in the law is called a negative easement or a negative servitude. Um, so, you know, we shouldn't have. That's what slave owners have. They can tell their slaves what not to do. No, you can't leave. <laughs> you know, <laughs> no, you can't go to sleep. You need to pick the cotton. Uh, this is what slave owners do, and that's what the patent system does. It gives, it turns patent holders into slave owners over other people. It's it's getting very John Galt very fast. And we have a, a disappeared inventor. We have a motor. We have different parties interested in the motor. Uh, except is, except Ayn Rand was horrible on this. She believes strongly in patent and copyright law because she was totally confused. This is one of the things she's terrible on. In addition to her 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 statism, like she she hated anarchy, so she was wrong on anarchy and intellectual property. But other than that, she was great. But but what if John Galt comes back and he's lost some of the plans to his motor, but he's got other plans and he's got some internal understanding of the motor? Doesn't John Galt returned deserve some uh, some money for this invention that's now doing well, so well? Ironically, in Atlas Shrugged, so uh, John Galt abandoned the motor at the factory of the 21st Century Motor Corp, and it was found by Dagny That's and the other the guy. Can't leave behind property. That's bad. Yeah. He left it behind, and then they were trying to. They hired a physicist, the young physicist who later who later uh, uh, joined the joined the the cult, and, and and they were trying to reverse engineer the machine, which is a violation of John Galt's intellectual property in the machine. So Ayn Rand herself was a hypocrite. She couldn't live up to her own insane intellectual property views. I wanted to go there too with um, halt and catch fire with that idea where you uh, reverse engineer. If I, you know, maybe you know a little bit about a CPU, but we put you in a room with books and things, you develop the same CPU. Uh, should you own that CPU? Can you make the clone? Uh, well, under, under the current system, uh, if you get a patent, as I said, you have to be the inventor, but you don't have to be the first inventor. Um, as long as you came up with it on your own independently and you filed a patent before anyone else did and before it was made public, you can get a patent, and then you could use the patent to stop other people from using it even if they independently come up with the idea later or even if they came up with the idea before you did, but if they kept it secret, which is one of the dangers of using the trade secret system, which is what people used to use before the patent system. They would just keep their, their techniques proprietary and secret. Um, and that was their competitive advantage. But with the, when the patent system emerged, it tried to encourage people not to keep their ideas secret, which is the whole patent system is a bargain between the government and inventors. And it says if you disclose your invention to the public in a written patent disclosure that's public, then we will give you a monopoly for 17 years basically. right? So that's the bargain. right? So, But once that system is in place… If you keep your if you decide not to use the system and you keep your idea secret, the the danger you face is that someone else might eventually invent the same thing and patent it and then stop you from practicing what you've been doing for a decade. Um, so you're incentivized to go ahead and file a patent so that you're not prevented. Now Obama's uh, America Invents Act in 2011 did uh, make one change to patent law, which is the only positive change that's ever been made in the history of, of American IP law in 230 something years, they add they expanded the prior user defense. So if you are making um, something in secret, but you're using it commercially and someone else patents it, 
you get a limited defense to keep doing it. You can't license it. You can't expand your operations, but you can keep doing what you were doing. So, you know, there's a little crumb thrown to people who were previously victimized by this insanely unjust system. But still, it's it's a minefield, and and uh, it's a it's just, it's it's a risk to keep things secret now. It's a very interesting trade-off to think on one hand something like uh, Michael Jackson's patented shoes in the Smooth Criminal video. They had little hooks they would hang on nails so then his crew could lean over more than other dancers. Uh, but on the other hand, you have something like David Copperfield, who's a magician who needs to hide his secrets, who had to reveal one of his tricks recently because of a lawsuit and all these kind of things. Uh, where do you fall on that? Should they be able to have these patents or these things? Well, I'm opposed to the whole patent system, and I think Jed is with me. Um, there are certain industries and sectors that are not covered very well by IP law, like the fashion industry, perfume. And as I recently realized, because I started smoking pipes again, like the whole pipe industry, like the design of pipes is extremely competitive and interesting. But all these pipe makers come up – I mean there's only so many ways you can make a pipe, right? I mean some of them resemble each other, but there's no – protection they just go by their reputation and by the mystique around their brand uh in the fashion industry there's no protection for for ip except for trademark which is why um the high high-end fashion brands uh for purses and things like that put their logo all over their their luggage and their purses so that they can at least use trademark law to stop knockoffs uh, i think trademark law should be abolished as well as long as well as trade secret law by the way trade secret defamation law patent law copyright law Boathole designs, database rights, semiconductor mask protection act, they're all completely incompatible with the free market. You can't protect ideas. Information is not a scarce resource that can be protected by property rights. And when you try to do it, you end up transferring real property rights in real things to someone else who didn't own it, which is again the negative servitude idea I mentioned earlier. So no, you shouldn't be able to protect um, and you you mentioned earlier about Bitcoin and copywriting the logo. I don't know who came up with the logo. I don't know if Satoshi came up with the B logo, but um, that clearly, whoever designed that logo, there is a copyright in that logo. I don't know who owns it because I don't know who designed it, um, but there is no trademark in it because at this point, it's probably too descriptive and too generic to get a trademark in it. It'd be like you can't get a trademark in things that are descriptive, like you can't get a trademark in the word book because then anyone who wants to sell a book, they can't say what they're selling. Um, so it has to be something arbitrary and fanciful basically, which is why the less descriptive a mark is, the better it is for trademark purposes. You know, um, you know, like Godzilla software or something like that, or Mozilla. You know, um, <clears throat> so. And the white paper. Needs... Yeah, go ahead. Well, I think this uh, Mozilla that was a funny one because they changed their name to like Phoenix and Firebird, and it was like no one's ever heard of Firebird before, guys. Good one, and they had to change that right away. Because um, obviously it's a car, but um, it's interesting to say what we have right now with the current situation in Bitcoin, because we do have someone that's come back. They're claiming to be Satoshi. They've passed some uh, technical tests. They convinced Gavin Andreessen and some other people that they're Satoshi. They've um, somehow gained a large amount of wealth and power, uh, perhaps through legal agreements saying that someday in the future when they have all the Bitcoins, they'll give the lawyers some of the Bitcoins. Sounds like a good deal for the lawyers. They've been convinced they're on board. Uh, but now this hasn't worked out like he thought, or maybe perhaps like he planned, uh, because everyone didn't fall in line behind him. He didn't get to have a big corporation and control over Bitcoin. So the first attempt hasn't worked. Now it seems like he's going to the second attempt. 
uh, with the patents. What what's happening right now uh, with the person claiming and the, and the patents just generally? I, I I don't think anything's changed. I think these patents have been filed uh, over several years, um, so it's it's just accelerating is, is what's happening. But the patents have been filed some as early as you know, 2015. Um, even earlier, I think. And, and he was one of the first ones to file them, but he's not the only one filing them. And there are other people filing them. And, and abusive patents in particular is what we're after. So patents that are, that are not from the inventor, that are not you know, new, that are, there is prior art, um, and patents that, that obviously infringe on what Bitcoin is already and was since day one. And, and the way we go about that is going to be um, interesting and it's a new approach. Uh, so we, we need to crowdsource, we need a lot of help. We need to crowdsource and we need lawyers who can read these patents and who can summarize them and turn them into uh, text that engineers can understand. And then we need engineers who can understand the source code and look at GitHub and, and SourceForge and other repos and who can find code that was written before that patent was filed that does what that patent claims to do, to have invented. Um, and this is how we'll invalidate these patents. So that's the process we intend to use. And um, it's gonna take a lot of effort and it's gonna take uh, coordination, which we're, we're doing. Uh, we intend to you know, crowdsource. I don't wanna just crowdsource in a chaotic way. We wanna build a database of prior art that ultimately patent examiners will be able to use uh, because I don't think many patent examiners look through GitHub today. You know, they're not going through the source code. So we as a community need to do that. And, and so we don't need a huge amount of money. We, we need money, obviously, because we have to pay fees. But we also need people as well to come behind. So it's, um, it's important. And the, the, I don't think that, it, that strategies have changed. I think uh, from the founding uh, the intent of, of N-Chain and the intent of some other players in the space has been to try to patent the technology so they can control the industry in the future. By the way, if you're curious about how this patent process works, about getting all these, like if you file, what are they, Jed, like 1,500 patents filed by N-Chain alone? More. I think they're over 2,000 now. So, and, um, yeah. So the way it works is like at a, at a company – Look, I've represented, I've done hundreds and hundreds of patents for high tech companies. I have never, ever seen a company invent something because of the patent system. Now, they file patents because of the patent system. So if they're improving a product and they come up with a technique to make it work, then they file a patent on that while they're doing it. It takes some of the engineers time and they have to pay a patent attorney like me. It's a waste, but they do it you know, on the side to build their portfolio up because the investors want them to have it and they need it for defensive purposes. But sometimes they will have patent brainstorming sessions. So they'll sit in a room, five or six engineers and a couple of patent lawyers recording it all, and they'll just brainstorm. They'll say, hey, what if we uh, – put a bit at the end of the register like this and that would help do this or what if we put the lens in the laser like this and they're not even planning to do it they just brainstorm or they might read other people's patents and say how could we improve on it they just they just come up with ideas some of them trivial some of them bullshit and if it sounds good enough like you think you can get it past the patent office you file it and so it's just it's not invention at all it's just manipulating the system to get a patent and if you come up with an idea, it's easy for the patent attorney to split it into five or six or, or ten cases. Um, 
instead of having 20 claims in a patent, you might have three and then take the other three and go to another, et cetera. Um, they're called divisionals or continuations. And so you can have a whole family of patents, and it looks like you have a lot, and that threatens people. Then you have a stack of patents this high, and when you, when you send a cease and desist letter to someone, then this poor guy doesn't know what to do. They have, there's a stack of patents that are written in arcane language. They can't understand it. They don't know what they're infringing. They know that they never even read these patents, so they didn't learn it from this guy. They're not copying. And not that there's anything wrong with copying. That's called the free market and learning and emulation and competition. But they didn't even do that. And so they call a patent lawyer and they say, hey, we're getting threatened. And uh, are we are we infringing? And the patent lawyer says, well, I can do a review for you, and it will cost you $80,000 because I have to go through all these cases and review the prior art. What are they supposed to do? Pay them, pay them $80,000 every time they get a letter? And then the patent lawyer gives them an opinion like… I don't know for sure. As far as I can tell, you might be violating. Okay, what are they supposed to do with that? So you're better off just paying a $50,000 licensing fee and moving on. right? So this is how the system works. It's a, it's a sick game. Join us and fight. We want people to spin up lightning nodes under their desk and open a business on it. You know, That's simple. Well, it does sound like an incredibly broken system that's not contributing to more software, not contributing to more ideas, just like, uh, say, the music copyright system was designed to protect sheet music, um, but it's never helped anyone write a song. It's never inspired anyone. Uh, we even have lots of covers in music, which is, again, a complicated legal area. Uh, but what can people do? You said you need uh, experts like lawyers and tech people. Uh, where can they sign up? Uh, what can they volunteer to do? They can come to opencryptoalliance.org and sign up there and we'll, we'll reach out uh, based on their input. We have a form there. They can donate there. Um, they can follow us, OpenCryptoX on Twitter. And um, yeah, engage. Just contact us. Reach out anytime. As a matter of fact, that's already happened quite a bit. The response we've had is quite... Uh, quite good. So we've had a lot of outreach come in. We even have a consortium of lawyers that's been put together in South America to do this. Uh, and they said they're at our service. We don't have any patents in South America to attack right now, uh, but that's something we can do. But, and, but we're glad to have people say they're behind us. And uh, it's, it's fantastic. And have you uh, gotten any corporate partners yet? Are you looking for like if Kraken or Coinbase wanted to uh, contribute and be a part of this, uh, could they join? Absolutely. They are more than welcome to join. This is ideally the kind of member that will, will be able to help us do things fast and, and effectively because they have the resources to do it. And they'll benefit. They'll benefit too because, again, the, the cost advantage is so great, but also they'll, they'll benefit by, by being – by standing up against this and being known, look, we're not going to tolerate this. We're opposed to this. Let's get the whole Bitcoin community rallied around. Look, let's put let's put social pressure against all the developers working for the groups that are doing this. They, they're yeah. they're mostly open source people. They're mostly libertarians and anarchists. They don't want these patent threats going on. Tell them to to basically shun or boycott all these groups that do this. Make them pariahs. These are horrible people. These are horrible things to do. They're evil, yeah. totally evil, and they're threatening the greatest gift to, to the world ever, maybe, Bitcoin. Anything that threatens the internet or Bitcoin is horrible. Copyright threatens the internet, and patents, and, and these, these fools are threatening Bitcoin. 
And this this does seem like the kind of thing that in the past you could have just put uh, put behind you, put to the side, not paid attention to. Uh, but as you guys said, it is starting to accelerate. Just recently, we had uh, lawsuits filed against people putting the white paper online. Uh, then there's a second round of lawsuits now where uh, they're claiming that the Bitcoin developers should help the company get back the money that they lost in the Mt. Gox hack, something like that. But they named all of the major Bitcoin developers, some of them with all uh, with their middle names for the first time, so on and so forth, their legal names. Uh, very much a threat to them. And like you say, many of them are open source. They're not incredibly well off. They don't have lawyers. Uh, if you don't have a lawyer, also, it's very expensive to get a lawyer, a lot of legal time. Uh, these are complicated cases. Like you said, having to read the GitHub, having to read the engineer's report, having to read the legal side of it, having to you know create a synthesis of all three of those. Uh, it's a very complicated every time these patent things come in. And another important thing to stress, if you scroll down just a tad on that on that page there, you'll see that graph. See those last two years? That's that's how many patents have been filed in the last two years. It's just off the charts. And you need to understand that a patent from the moment it's filed to the moment it's granted is about two years. So what we're looking at right now is an opportunity, a window of opportunity for us to employ the strategy that we have to derail all of those 20 some odd thousand patents that have been filed in, in there. I mean, obviously we're not gonna take all 20,000 down, but we're gonna pick the, the ones that really need to be attacked and go after those with a vengeance and do everything else we can on the side. But we now have the window to attack those and, and make sure that they never get granted. If we don't do anything now, within 18 months, those are gonna be granted and they're gonna be used to shake people down. So what, you're, what we're trying to prevent is the storm that's coming in 18 months to two years. And that will just be miserable if we don't do anything today. And, and I know everyone's having lots of fun putting laser eyes on their profile and freaking out the normals and all the good stuff we do in Bitcoin. I've seen a lot of great uh, memes from the strike team. They've got a whole crew of memers now. Uh, but I'm asking and I'm, I'm thinking that what we should do here is, is use those memes in a different direction. We should try to use those memes to identify uh, these potential patent problems to maybe motivate some companies to join this group, you know, needle them a little bit, poke them. Don't poke them too hard, but just, you know, casually say, hey, maybe you want to check this out, or here's a picture of a cat, uh, seems cool, or a cat with laser eyes, and uh, just this kind of thing. I think we can do some positive things with hacktivism as well. I was reading um, this book called The Cult of the Dead Cow, and it's about this hacker group from the 90s. And uh, they didn't just hack computers or embarrass people or that kind of thing. They also advocated, uh, like Stefan's been saying, for these early ideas, for these foundational internet ideas. And something that JP Barlow said is that uh, when he defined things like the cypherpunk manifesto and things like that, he intentionally inflated his language. He intentionally got, you know, all or nothing and existential. And he went all like over the line because he was trying to harden people for what was going to come ahead. And he said, if you're not prepared to, you know, stand up for your rights of cyberspace, you're not going to have any rights in cyberspace. So he intentionally uh, defined those rights as larger, you know, liberty type rights, uh, constitutional stuff. Uh, so I think we can do that now with Bitcoin. Uh, we can get ahead of this. Uh, so one more time, guys. Uh, Jed Grant and Stefan Kinsella from the Open Crypto Alliance. Where can people check you out and what can they do? Uh, maybe just give it like an action item for like a normal person, what they could do. And then maybe an action item if you work at one of these companies or if you know somebody 
and, and you want to do some good here, what can they do? Individuals, if you're technical or if you're a lawyer and you have time to give, go to opencryptoalliance.org, sign up and we'll reach out. We'll get back to you um, as quickly as we can. If you have crypto or even fiat to give, go to Open Crypto Alliance and make a donation or reach out to us if you want to do that donation off the site. It's fine. Um, if you're in a company that is in this space or that can support us, talk to your colleagues in the company, tell them about us, talk to your head of marketing, you know, talk to your, your CTO, talk to people who get it and talk to your legal department too, if you want, you know, but tell them what we're doing and what our objective is. And they are, if you're in a company, you are building a business on this technology and, and a patent troll could cost you a lot of money. Um, a, a donation to us might save you that in, in uh, spades, you know, multiple times of what you donate, we can, we can defend you against. And if you want to get involved, um, we're happy to, to bring people in. You know, if you want to get on the advisory board and you, your company wants to have that as a condition on a donation, yeah, let's talk. We're very open, decentralized. It's in our name. Well, that sounds great. Uh, thanks so much, guys, for joining us. Everyone check out opencryptoalliance.org and let's see what we can do about getting ahead of some of these patent problems uh, before they get much, much worse. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. Until next time, bye-bye.